Kevin Blindauer, how are you? I hope everyone is well. Let's see if Mr. Most Reverend Ron Kalis is here. Let's, uh, we're dialing him up right now. And I think Ron is in the middle of connecting. Okay, I see you. All right, Ron, we are live. We are recording. Welcome back to Kevin and Kalis. <laughs> the dynamic duo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a duo. Right. I'm not sure how dynamic we are, but we well, try. we try. Yeah, we, we try. do try. Yes. Oh boy. So, Ron, uh, it's been a uh, it's been hot weather uh, lately, and I was uh, looking at my front yard, and I keep on thinking, I'm like, oh boy, I gotta get to these weeds, and finally, I I had to get out there because I think the weeds were were taking over. Um, so I thought it was a timely weeding uh, because of all of the parables that we've been reading about lately. Um, so I, I had some difficulty, uh, like Jesus talks about, in pulling up the weeds without pulling up the plants I wanted to stay. So um, interesting. So let's talk about parable. Yep, that's okay. Uh... Well, the, the word parable is a Greek word meaning comparisons. So yeah. this is like this. And Jesus used that as a teaching uh, mechanism in his day because, Kevin, a lot of folks did not have the ability to read and write. And so storytelling, well, it still is today, even if we have that ability. Storytelling is always a wonderful way to communicate uh, so many things to people. And Jesus was good at that. And he used figures and uh, agrarian pieces of information that people would be familiar with. And that was the sower going out. And what's interesting about that one is, it's not like you're standing there planting a seed to ground very carefully. There's an abundance of how this is done. It's just put out there, uh, which tells us something about this relationship between us and our God, the kingdom of heaven uh, here on earth and, and in heaven is connected. And it's always abundant, always abundant relationships. Uh, same thing with weeds and wheat. Uh, and that humorous thing in uh, that Gospel of Matthew about the woman, I just found this out the other day, Kevin, kneading three measures of flour. Well, that doesn't mean it at least strike us, but it's like 40 pounds. <laughs> 40 pounds of flour. You would need several people to be kneading that dough into making it uh, something that you could bake. So again, uh, symbols and comparisons about this relationship with our God, that the good and the bad come together, but there's always great abundance in the relationship. Uh, I find that striking. Uh, I hope when, when folks hear these scriptures or read them, that it helps them to understand uh, this relationship that we have with our God and how abundant it is and how God's patient is there. You got to be patient when you got the weeds, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And in that one uh, parable, uh, the servants want to pull up the weeds immediately. And the uh, master says, no, let it grow together because you just might pull up something good when you're pulling the, the weeds out. 
So a picture of God's patience with us it gives us a plan. It gives us freedom. Sometimes we mess up, we stumble, but there's always that call back, that opportunity, this patience of God with us in our relationship. That's striking, I think. I, I think there's just so many analogies here because it just reminded me, Ron, when you're saying, you know, we have to be patient and uh, and watchful too. Because if I think of as I as I as I was really really happy the fact that now my whole front yard is weed free, at least the the flower bed area. But it seems like every day now I'm watching the flower bed to see when the weeds are going to come back because weeds come back in our life, right? Yes. I started thinking about that when you were talking about, well, yeah, weeds, they're going to come back and it takes vigilance and, and patience um, and, 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 and knowing full well that we're not perfect. I think there's a certain amount of acceptance. You know, we try to sometimes, some of us try to be too perfect in our lives and then we get down on ourselves or, you know, we get down on the faith sometimes you know, I remember when it was someone says, you know, there's Catholic guilt. There's no such thing as Catholic guilt. You know, God is love. Um, I think there's just, there's the flip side of that is accepting being truthful to who we are and to our feelings and when we are sinful and not to be arrogant and falling into, you know, a blind uh, trust and thinking that, hey, I'm just okay all the time. So I think we have to always strike a balance between uh, between being being real with ourselves, cognizant of our own um, foibles, but also knowing that God loves us no matter what happens, no matter what we do. Yes, and uh, that Catholic guilt thing, it comes up a lot. Uh, you hear it, uh, especially with comedians and things like that. You're right. We need to purge that out. Um, because that just looks at our relationship with God in one way, Yeah, you know, that we're messing up all the time. <laughs> and right. we are, but it, there's also the opportunity to turn it around. Uh, and that goes with some of the failures that we have. That's beautiful in those parables. It just is. It's so it's striking. Knowing that I'm, um, I, I think of, Right now, Giselle and I have been taking a um, uh, marriage encounter, and one of the, the the whole concept, one of the biggest concept, is um, dialogue. They call it dialogue, and really, you're just listening to your spouse or your friend. You know, here in this case, it's your spouse, and uh, actually, religious are invited to to the marriage encounters as well, and the wonderful sharing by this beautiful by this priest. Um, but the whole point is that you just listen for your spouse's feelings. All you're doing is listening. And at one point during this, I imagine Jesus was the listener. And just listening with a loving and openness, knowing that I'm going to be accepted no matter what I say. Um, and that's, and I thought about Jesus and I thought, wow, this is all Jesus listening to me listening to my feelings and knowing full well that at the end of that conversation, I'm loved. Yeah, it's so human sometimes. It's just disarming when we come to that recognition. 
So I want to jump back to something you said, Ron, a little bit earlier about going through the scripture. And I think the scripture, I mean, there's so much depth in the scripture and so much meaning behind it. And, and I'm no genius, so I pick up the commentary and there's tons of commentaries. But I love this one comment about um, where the uh, someone had planted, the evil one planted weeds in, in the farmer's field, right? So uh, the parable I'm reading from this, the parable describes a real scenario from the first century agricultural world. There were even Roman laws that specifically forbade the sabotage of crops by planting, and it's called darnel. It's a weed. Uh, A man sowed good seed in his field, but an enemy sowed weeds in the wheat field. The weed here is darnel, a poisonous plant whose roots would become intertwined with the rest of the wheat crop. To remove it without damaging the wheat will be difficult, which is why the householder tells the servants not to pull up the weeds. Pull up the weeds, you, you know, is what you mentioned. You'll sprout the wheat. You'll bring up right. the, uproot the wheat as well. And it's, Darnell could be used as, to destroy a crop, but it had one positive use, it says. It could be burned for fuel. And that's why the householder says, well, tells the servants to collect them and put them in the, in the fire. So I think of two things. One is certainly the parable, um, the, you know, the allegory that, that's, that's written about. But also, like you said, in real times, this meant something to those people because they knew that's what people were doing to each other, planting weeds in each other's field, which sounds so bizarre right now. Uh, and, and then that weed was used to, to burn for fuel. So that spoke, I think, for us to really get a better sense of the scriptures uh, to, we need to dig a little deep, deeper into its meaning. Uh, so, yes, uh, to use a phrase I think I've heard many times, to sit with the text. Uh, so you read it, and then you sit with it, and you know walk into it. Sometimes the footnotes or the commentary help us. Um, to open up some of those things. And then suddenly that's a wonderful gift that kind of brings all sorts of things together for us. So yeah, picking up the Bible once in a while or particularly as we go through the Sundays in the summertime and the various texts um, to have some chance to read that a little bit. It just makes a difference then when you go to church and you hear them proclaimed. because somehow or other you've been walking around in that for a while and you see the connection. So you mentioned the word that kind of prompted something that we were talking about. You mentioned summertime and I was thinking about summertime and I thinking about just that. Um, and I thought about this phrase, um, it's time to make hay, uh, make hay while the sun shines. Right. Uh, and I found this whole discussion as article written about um, how hay is um, harvested and the ag- agronomy uh, based around how they grow hay. Uh, and one of the, the issues with hay is that weeds get in it. And they're, when they bale up hay, they're able to figure out to test it to see if there's mold in it, um, if there's insects in it. Um, and if there's any weeds in it, because uh, actually the people buy in such big bulks 
and they could be either feeding horses. You could be set, these could be going to uh, race horses, and they certainly want the best of the hay for that. Or it could be going to feed, you know, cattle or something else. But uh, I, I looked at this phrase and I thought about timing to make hay. Here we are in the summertime, um, and we're in the midst of ordinary time. So I was connecting summertime, ordinary time, and this phrase, it's time to make hay. Um, and I think ordinary time, it's time to make hay, right? We talked about this a little bit. Yep. Uh, sometimes the word ordinary is misunderstood, thinking like not important uh, time, uh, like Christmas or the Easter or Lent situation. But the word ordinary just means a way of numbering uh, Sundays. And there's like 34 of them during the year. And they come in and out at different times uh, of the year. But each of those times open up something for us to see that perhaps we haven't seen before. So it's, it's uh, not focusing just on a specific aspect of Jesus's life, but his teaching, what he said, what he did and how people uh, uh, came to understand that. And the sending forth then to share, a lot of that comes to us in this time that we call ordinary. And <laughs> summertime, yeah. So we can make hay during this ordinary time, uh, not just for the fields, but for our own spirituality. Right, yeah. I, and I think of... Um, you know, maybe during this time of, uh, you know, there's been a lot of discussion during this pandemic about, um, you know, wh what, where can we make hay and where can we um, maybe open up the scripture more where we're, you know, we don't have the opportunity to go and do all the entertainment things that we used to, but maybe it's time to be a little bit more introspective in that regard. Um, I know people are reading different books and, you know, we talk about different movies or different series people are seeing, but maybe it is a good time to, to open up, uh, by pick up a commentary about, about the Bible or about the New Testament or about yeah, one so, of the, yeah. Supplant net Netflix with something a little different, uh, right. you know, besides movies and speaking of, uh, movies and, uh, visuals. Uh, the Chosen, which is this beautiful life of Christ that the evangelicals have put out and is available, the life of Jesus. It's ju I've just taken with that, um, the way they portray his life. They're using the scriptures, they're using the New Testament, the evangelists, but they fill in some gaps between, which are not unreasonable. They've, they just fill that in and give you a beautiful picture of humanity of Jesus and that relational aspect that he brings to us and through him to the Heavenly Father. So if people out there are looking for something to watch these days, uh, if you have uh, streaming, um, you, you can get the app on, on, on your iPhone. The Chosen is the name of it, The Chosen. And you can transfer that into your streaming on your uh, TV, so you get the bigger picture. There are eight episodes right now, uh, just compelling to watch and 
something that helps you to think about many of these things we're talking about today as you picture it not only in your mind but on the screen um, so it'd be good to watch some of that besides just netflix movies well ron um i think you had you had some uh your first uh wedding recently you attended so we had some some wonderful grace there and being uh the presider at that beautiful uh, event for those two people and their families that yes. certainly is a blessing um uh wonderful event uh and we talked a little bit about how um you know they're not like they used to and compared it to your 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 parents own wedding during the depression going through those tough times and you know how the how young couples either discerning marriage or going to be married or uh, recently married uh you know this is a time for them to make hay if you will to to look at the positive things that the lord has graced them with and um what good will come out of their um the, their vocation their sacrament of marriage right and even though today uh there's all kind of restrictions on how marriages can be celebrated nonetheless <laughs> they were a lot better than when my folks got married uh, because i mentioned to you kevin they had to just be satisfied with a little party in uh, my grandmother's basement <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, with some food and somebody played an accordion and that had a, you know, that was it. But, you know, they, they rejoiced and they uh, celebrated that way. Even though our celebrations are restricted to a great extent, they're, they're not as half as bad as what the folks had to go through years ago. So uh, it's all relative. It certainly is, Ron. Well, um i before i ask you for your prayer i got a shout out to my first um i presided at baptism for uh dorothea simmons uh and it was the third uh third of number three for uh katie and brandon simmons um and i was very blessed to be uh the presider there and it was a beautiful like you said even though we were limited and we we're all wearing masks it was still a, a beautiful occasion uh to to baptize young dorothea so and you know um, what kevin relative to that baptism uh katie and brandon sent me a notice of the birth of dorothea k uh, which i was just taken with i you know i kind of knew katie growing up a little bit in high school yeah, on the retreats yeah. and things and for them to take the time to send that announcement to me was just beautiful so i did take time then and send them a message back and awesome. congratulated them uh on this event so these little things that we can do sometimes to enhance people's lives even though we're going through some tough times brings a lot of joy into the world so most agreed and then, you know you're gonna send me down a rabbit hole now I, my my one of my best buddies he lives in arizona his name is brad and I used to call him Mr. Hallmark because that guy would send cards for everything. I'll never forget when I made the dean's list when I was going to law school, all of a sudden I get a card in the mail. And I think about all those little things, like you said, the little things that we can do with each other to just let them know we care, we're out there and um, you know how appreciated that is and what a wonderful yeah. thing. So 
It is. Ron, how about you pray us out? Okay. Uh, you know, I, I found something in the uh, scriptures for the 16th Sunday in Ordinary Time, and it's a short passage from Paul's letter to the Romans, which has always attracted me because of its content. And when you hear it, you'll understand it. So he writes, brothers and sisters, the spirit comes to the aid of our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes with inexpressible groanings. Mm. And the one who searches hearts knows what is the intention of the spirit because he intercedes for the holy ones according to God's will. Beautiful text. Oh, great. I love it. Yeah, when we don't know how to pray, we can just allow the spirit within us to pray. So Paul's injunction of praying always is, is always going on. Uh, and even if we can't manage it or if we're dull or if we're angry or if we're stuck, uh, don't lose heart because... The Spirit is always praying in us, even if we don't know how. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. Ron, thank you much. How about a quick blessing for everybody? All right. And may the Lord bless all the people who are listening to our podcast, their family and their friends. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ron. I'm going to thank you, a little Stephen Curtis Chapman on here. And bring us uh, hopefully to a beautiful conclusion. Um, have, a, have a great week, and we'll talk to everyone next time. Yeah.